and welcome to another episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined as always by my best friend Andre Grayson. Hello Mr Dow. Hello and we come into this podcast slightly later than normal because we normally record on a Tuesday and it's normally out by a Thursday but due to the fact Arsenal had a game on Wednesday we decided to delay it a little bit and with the exception of a positive result there was no way that that was going to change. Um, now, in the space of four days, Arsenal lost uh, at home to Burnley and then obviously drew last night with Southampton. So it's been a bit of a, uh, a tough few days for Arsenal and it doesn't feel like it's getting that much better. But what I thought we'd do is just start out and go right back to the Burnley game and sort of talk about our immediate reactions from that game. So, Andre, I know you had a bit of an emotional roller coaster after that game. So, would you like to talk me through that process? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think because we talked about the up and coming run of fixtures and, and we sensed some difficulty. If we're completely honest, we we did sense that it was difficult. But the one thing that nearly everyone was unequivocal in is that we would beat Burnley. And I think Burnley are one of the worst teams in the league. And we wasted yet another half. We'll no doubt talk about Granite Xhaka at some point. But the wider question of discipline has to come up. But after we lost that game, I was dejected. I have not been that down. I genuinely felt like this must be what it feels like when you're starting to get relegated. Because all the hallmarks of a team that goes down is there. Because I, lots of my friends support um, clubs like, uh, I know we've spoken about this in the past, like your Norwich, Fulham, even Southampton. Uh, I've got good friends who support them, so I always look out for them. When a team is going down and you watch them, they have a great few moments and then something happens that they can't recover from the stupid sending off a you know, a really glaring miss and it all feels like the world collapses in on you. And that's what, how I felt Sunday night that the world was collapsing in on us and everything I really thought and hoped this season would bring or what I thought, you know, after Wenger left, I, I've never had a moment of introspection like it where I just went, wow, it's all wrong. We're losing at home to Burnley. And if you can lose at home to Burnley, you really can lose to anyone anywhere. And I think that kind of summarises the situation we're in at the moment, because it does feel like we could lose to anyone. Um, there are very few games that you look at, and we touched on this last week, where you think, um, oh, we, that should be a banker. It might be a few up, ups and downs in that game, but you pretty confident we win that game. Burnley was the one game in the next run of fixtures up until we probably play, well, even, even when you look at Brighton and, and West Brom, you still look at those games and think they're, they're, they're going to be tough games because they're battling for points as well. Um, but Burnley was the one that I looked at and thought, we always beat them at home, we should beat them at home, uh, even in that sort of form. And I, and I genuinely, genuinely think we would have beaten them had it not been for the ridiculous red card from Granit Xhaka, which obviously you did touch on just then, but I think it's really probably a, a fairly important one to to go into now because on the back of the red card that Gabriel got last night against Southampton, uh, it really is starting to to really add up with the number of sending offs that we've had under Mikel Arteta. I think, is that is that eight now? Yeah, I think it is now with Gabriel for sure, yes. 
Yeah, so I think we're up to eight, which is really, really concerning. Um, and we keep drawing those parallels in the media, especially, that it's similar to when Arsene Wenger first took over and there were lots of red cards. But the difference is we were winning games, regardless of what was happening with the red cards. We were winning games and getting points. And we're not doing that at the moment. Um, so it's really important that we sort of are aware of that factor. And I'm sure Arteta is aware of it, but it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon, which is the, the concern. And every time that we do go down to 10 men, the other thing that I have noticed is that we don't have any sort of confidence that we can then play with 10 men. Um, I mean, I know we nearly nicked it last night with Rob Holding's header, but hmm. we, in general, we looked pretty abject when we went down to 10 men, like we did against Burnley. And we didn't look like a team who were capable of doing anything, let alone um, let alone going on and winning a, a game that we definitely needed to. So that would probably, probably be my takeaway from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel slightly differently. I feel slightly differently in that I just felt we needed anything out of yesterday's game. Anything. And I was fine with how we played with 10 men. We got really lucky with the Redmond chance. Um, really lucky, in fairness. And we would never have come back from that. And actually, it could have got worse if we had to then go and attack. I just thought it was a cling-on. Cling-on for your lives. And hope that it will get better after this. You know, you look at the run of fixtures and yes, whilst it doesn't look favourable, the way this league is panning out and the results we're seeing, you never know. We could go on, a, you know, a mini run. And when I say mini run, you know, if we avoid defeat or can pick up a win uh, from a game against either Everton or Chelsea, suddenly you think there's a bit of a, you know, there could be something positive going on. But if we lost yesterday, I really don't know how we'd recover. And at least with a point, it keeps the wolves from the door, if you like. So I felt slightly differently, but the lack of discipline. And if we just talk about Granite Xhaka, hmm. <laughs> when the team came out against Burnley, and this is where Arteta comes in for criticism, he, it is not his fault Xhaka gets sent off in any way, shape or form. Maybe things are going on behind the scene, scenes. Maybe the players are unhappy. Whatever that article was where the players are being so precious. My God. Um, but, he cannot control that, but he can control putting Granite Xhaka on the pitch. And how he came to a decision that in a game like that against Burnley, Xhaka would be a good option, I don't know. And he, you know, so in one sense, Arteta's to blame for picking that team. And I think the team selection was wrong against Burnley and right against Southampton. However, Granite Xhaka should never play for this club again not because of his red card in this instance, but because of what he's shown in the years before it leading up to that. Because one of the things that actually got on my nerves about Xhaka is, yes, he gave away a silly yellow, but barring a red card, which never was against Swansea, never been given before, never been given since, where he, he, he cynically fouled the man on the halfway line. He got a straight red, first red of its kind. He was then tarred with a brush that actually was pretty unfair. And he hasn't actually been that hot-headed. He is a complete sort of um, false hard man. Uh, and I, I found the acting, uh, you know, what he was doing with Ashley Westwood. He fouled the bloke, take a yellow, move on, we're on top. And it was the fact we were on top and he imploded like that, that I can't deal with. We were on top. It was the first time in, in months, <laughs> it felt like anyway, <laughs> that we'd actually been on top of a game. And it was coming. 
It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good football. It wasn't the Arsenal we love and know and want to see. But we were on top. And to do that, I mean, how, with the history here, how can you do that to us? How can you do that to us? Yeah, um, I, I, I couldn't have put any of that better myself. Um, what I was going to ask you about is there was a, there's been a massive reaction, particularly after Gabriel got sent off last night, because because Gabriel came out almost instantly and posted a message apologising for getting sent off. There's been this really weird sort of atmosphere on Twitter where people, every single time anything happens, it's always a comparison now to Granite Xhaka. Mm. And everyone was kicking off on Twitter because Granite Xhaka has not come out and apologised. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on that? I couldn't care less what someone does on social media. I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I don't care. Um, it really annoys me how upset people get at stuff. Like last night, uh, this morning as well, I went on Twitter and, uh, and they were talking about Walcott's goal and people getting upset that Walcott celebrated. And I just I just responded to someone and just said, grow up, pal. because I just I don't understand how you could get annoyed out all the things that are going on at Arsenal Football Club at the moment imagine getting annoyed firstly that Granite Xhaka has not come out and apologised for getting sent off and and secondly that um, Theo Walcott is celebrating scoring a goal I just don't get it and if we go back to Xhaka again if he posted online and said I'm sorry that I got sent off and I let my team down can you imagine the abuse that he'll get? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. If I was him, I wouldn't do it. I mean, he didn't. He didn't apologise off the old incident when he swore at the fans, took his shirt off, and threw it and walked down the tunnel. So he's not going to apologise for this, is he? <laughs> no. This minor misdemeanour. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, look. I think there's a wider issue. Look, yesterday, I, I was saying this about football. I actually said this to uh, uh, Mark, who who is beyond angry at this point. Uh, I can only imagine. <laughs> you, you don't want to know. But, of course, I said about the red card that Gabriel's is unbelievably harsh. Whilst it was stupid, just in football, he's kicked a ball away three yards and dragged someone down. Like, yes, I know they're both yellow cards, but, God, to get a man off the pitch for that is unbelievably harsh in quick succession. Those red cards I can deal with, they're a bit brainless. When you're nervous, by the way, you'll know as a centre-half, you get tight to people and you, you're not thinking straight. And yeah, I think you, sound... you, you overcompensate. Exactly. And I can see why he's done that. But but for me, Gabriel doesn't get sent off if he's playing in a team that is in an absolute fucking car crash like we are. Like, when you look at what he's tried to do for the first goal, do you know why he's come up so far? Like, he comes into criticism. But it's because he knows Mohamed Elneny is not cutting out that ball. So he's got to be overly aggressive. He's got to follow the runner. And fucking hell, it, um, it rebounded off one foot, then the other, and they're through. And I saw all sorts of criticism come in. But I was like, that is, a, that is because we still have no midfield. None. Um, and like, he's the only player who's played well. So he gets an absolute free pass from me. Whereas Granit Xhaka absolutely does not. But I think one of the things I felt with all of this in the last few weeks is I, after Burnley, and maybe even mid-Burnley game, I thought Arteta was a busted flush. But then that article came out about the players are unhappy and the squad's overinflated, which isn't his fault, which isn't his fault. That is the club's fault. And that is a historical problem. And then I looked at sort of the attitude of the players on the pitch and the players he's backed. He has backed Granit Xhaka. He has backed Gabriel. He has backed David Luiz more times than I can imagine. 
he has backed Lacazette more times than you imagine, and they're letting him down. Now, of course, you go, at what point does the manager go, I've got to try something different? But he, he's trying. You know, when things are bad, you often do go with more experienced players, rightly or wrongly. I get it. However, they, they are letting him down. Then you see all this shit about the players that comes out. Then you have Kia running his mouth last week about Willian. And you just go, do you know what? Actually, fuck the players. Honestly, honestly, I can't stand them. There's so few players. I remember last season, and when we did our first, one of our first pods, and we were like, who would you care about selling? And we were like, none, they can all go. And actually, what's happened is there was a bit of a false dawn after the FA Cup where we all went, wow, these players, actually, yeah, Mustafi can, he can do it. Yeah, okay, there was that one thing against Tottenham. Um, and then you go, someone like um, Jacka, yeah, he can play in that midfield when there's a back five. But they can't. They can't. They've no. got a golden spell. And actually, the reality is Arteta might not be the right manager, but the players, these players, we need to trim the squad. It's, I actually think we're going to have a sort of um, addition by subtraction. Yeah. Once we get rid of a host of these players, a new attitude can come through. Definitely. Um, it's just it's really frustrating because I think, obviously, when we spoke about um, Arteta last week, um, now, obviously, in the aftermath of games, emotions always run really, really high. And you sort of, regardless of how measured you are as a person, if you're emotionally invested in a football club, your opinion kind of changes every couple minutes after a game. Like, you don't think rationally. It's always it's always either everything's fantastic, everything's dreadful. And I've kind of gone through that with, with Arteta and thinking, OK, well, he needs to go or he doesn't need to go. But I think... The one thing that is certain at Arsenal is that we need to clear out all of the deadwood within the, the first team because we've got so many players, like you've just said, that are not good enough. Their attitude is horrific and they shouldn't be anywhere near this football club. And unfortunately, because of errors from years gone by, we've given them stupid contracts and we can't shift them. Mm. That's the long and short of it. And obviously, we're coming into a phase now where... Players know that their, their their time's up and their days are numbered. And you do wonder if this is true about the, the sort of fallout within within the squad. I'm, I, I don't even doubt for a second that much of that is probably to do with Arteta coming in and saying to certain players, you are not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be at this club. Um, the only bit that kind of falls down a little bit with that is that those players that me and you might put, sort of put two and two together and assume it's certain individuals, they are still getting game time. They're still being used, which I suppose is is part of the issue um, behind the scenes because those are the players at his disposal. And as much as it's uh, a great idea to go, okay, well we'll just play the kids. In this situation, you do what you do question how positive and experience and how positive for the development that this will be being chucked into Arsenal in, at the deep end um, and how positive that will be for Arsenal as a football club. So I, it's, it is a balancing act and I do not envy Arteta's position at all because it's it's not something that can continue much longer. Um, but he needs to get through somehow to the summer when things will start changing a bit because then we'll have Ozil gone, we'll have Socrates gone. I think Mustafi's up this summer. They, I'm sure there's a few more that will try and sh- uh, try and move on. But those are three figures on quite high salaries that will be gone at the end of this season. Hmm. And then you can start working from there. But it's 
really alarming about whether he can get to that point because if this keeps going on and on and we keep dropping further and further down then there's something something will have to give unfortunately yeah no it will it will but I, I, I think he might be um I think Arteta might be the sort of collateral damage here actually yeah, and I think I'm that's a real shame I, I feel like I heard a point I can't remember who or where or what but a point made that like the players are a bit going, we might be going down, but you're coming with us. Yeah. But I do think, did you see Bernd Leno's quotes? They were fairly damning, weren't they? <laughs> well, but what I felt, you know, the coach is the least of our problems. You know, I yeah. thought that was incredibly damning. Um, and as well, I saw something from Freddie that cropped up before he left. I don't know if you saw this. He went, the problem is in that squad, whether you bring in Arteta or keep me is not enough players care. And I think that is true. I don't think people care. And when I look at the team, when I look at Gabriel yesterday, he cared. Tierney cares. I think it's the same players. You know, we'll come on to Bakayo Saka at some point. He does care. I do think Aubameyang as well is a good one as well. I think he clearly cares. Um, I think there's a lot of questions, you know, (laughs) he's so funny, right? I do think he's a bit of a hallmark of our club, right? Losing, 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 captain nowhere to be seen. Scores a goal, still don't win. There he is in front of the cameras. You know what I mean? And his excuse is, <laughs> I don't want to talk. You know, when things aren't going well, I do my work behind the pitch. You know, do my work behind the scenes. It's like, front up, front up. For good yeah, sake. that's I'm, what being I'm, a captain I'm you, is. I'm with you as well, because in the, in the aftermath of the Burnley game, the players that came out were Kieran Tierney, uh, Gabriel, I think, came out. Saka's always very quick to come out. And it's just like, these guys shouldn't be the one that are thrust in front of the camera. No. It should be the leaders. It should be the senior players. It should be the captain of this football club coming out and doing that. And like you, like you say, Aubameyang, very quick to come out when, when he's back on the score sheet. But <laughs> yeah, you couldn't write it. But you Can need your you? captain doing more than that. Go on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Can I tell you, the player I admire most about that is Harry Maguire. He, yeah. Man U have had some shocking results and will continue to do so. He comes out every time they lose, every time, without fail. And I admire that greatly. I really do, honestly, because it is a contrast to a Bamiyang. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd rather have a Bamiyang than Harry Maguire. Um, <laughs> I don't think in our car crash defence what we need is Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> I was on a I, I was on Facebook last night, and someone that I uh, sort of loosely know, um, he, he's an Arsenal fan, and he was talking about um, Pierre and Aubameyang, and his view of it was that he felt that Aubameyang should be should have been benched before the game last night, and Arsenal gone with with youngsters. Um, it's not something I agree with at all, but I was interested to see what you thought of that. No, I I would say that for a team that cannot score, taking a Bamiyang out probably not going to help. I don't think a Bamiyang yeah. has been the problem. Do you know? No, <laughs> like, look, no, no, no. Like, don't don't game. get me wrong. His his attitude at times in in recent weeks has has looked yeah. questionable, and and his. Uh, persona has been one of uh, a player completely dejected and and miserable with life and you wouldn't really expect anything else from a player of his quality and his calibre but um, I'm with you on that because I I, I just don't see how taking your primary goal scorer out regardless of the run of form he's been in 
he's going to help. Like, he's not going to get back on a score sheet from the bench, is he? No. And then, obviously, he got back on the score sheet last night with a very good goal. So, Well, that's what yeah. I was going to say to you, is that the attitude can be rubbish. He can look slower than normal. But, my goodness, when that man is in front of goal, you knew it was in. You knew the yeah. minute you saw 14 on the back <laughs> and you saw he was in on goal. Yesterday, I had no doubt he was going to score. And that is a lovely yeah. feeling because I can't say I would think that about any other player in our squad. Honestly, no. not one. We've seen Lacazette throw on goal. We saw him miss from a yard out against Burnley. You know, Eddie, OK, Eddie probably as well. But, yeah. you know, nothing really. You know, it's a bit far out for Eddie, actually. But, but he, even Eddie, Eddie like, my, my sort of opinions on Eddie. Like I thought I thought he put in a shift last night. I don't think he did anything extraordinary. It was a very nice touch for the for the Abamian goal to to assist that. Um obviously most of the work for that goal was done by Bukayo Saka who we'll we'll come on to in a minute. But going back to Eddie and Ketia, I'm 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 still not I'm not convinced by him. Um I'm not sure if he's got a long-term future at Arsenal. Well, I should probably rephrase that. I don't think he's got a long-term future as a starter at Arsenal. Mm. I could imagine him being at the club for a number of years and being a player comes off the bench and plays in the Europa League and plays games here, here and there. Um, but in terms of being your main man, I just, I just don't see it. No. Um, but I thought he put in a shift last night without ever doing much that really helped us in an attacking, attacking sense. Um, and I suppose we, by the time when we were actually on top, when you might have started seeing a bit more of him, was when the red card happened and then the game changed completely. So that's probably my thoughts on Eddie Nketiah, which I, 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 I would love to be wrong about him. I really would. But at the moment, I'm not really, really seeing it. No. If, if we move on to another youngster who we all see it about in Bukayo Saka. Now, Bukayo Saka, for what seems like the whole season, Every time we question the team's attitude or the team's performance or the team's desire, the one player we always seem to say is exempt from any criticism is Bukayo Saka. Mm. And that's because he's a 19-year-old. You can tell that he feels it like the fans feel it. Just You can only look back at his social media post after the game last night. And he posted a picture of himself sat on the floor um, with the caption... Um, you Arsenal fans deserve so much more or something like that. And that is the attitude that you want. And there's so many players that do similar sorts of things on social media within the Arsenal squad. And you just don't buy it at all. You don't <laughs> believe it. Um, but you definitely do believe it with this young man. And he is just a complete credit to the club at the moment. And is one of the only things that's actually getting me through at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And what he did... what. what what he did to show leadership yesterday and step up and skill. He beats three players like they're not there. And admittedly, his pass to Aubameyang is not the best, but it works its way through. I mean, that goal just does not happen without Bukayo Saka. And to be honest, we don't look like we're going to score unless his influence is all over a particular move. He he could become anything he wants to be. Um, I just absolutely love him. As you know, I had a ticket for yesterday's game. Uh, and, of course, with the new lockdown rules, um, not being able to go. But one of the things, because I know I'd be sitting close, one of the things I would have shouted, <laughs> um, come come what may, would have been my love for Bukayo Saka. Because... Go, go on, Bukayo, lad. Yeah, it would have been, been that left side, whatever half I'd have uh, got them, they'd have been getting uh, praise non-stop from me, despite their performances. Um, he is just looking... 
so 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 good and he's the real sort of star from our academy you know when i think about um and i'm probably uh, putting a cursor on this but the likes of alex iwobi he didn't really do what even saka has done so far you know i know he scored against everton ironically um early on but it never really came for Iwobi. And with Saka, it just looks natural. He looks in that final third as sharp as anything. There was actually a moment in the first half which impressed me so much. He, he stood up um, Walker Peters, who's, who's no slouch. Um, and it's when Bednarek hits it into McCarthy, uh, yeah. six yards out or whatever. But if you look at the acceleration to beat his man over five yards, it's phenomenal pace absolutely phenomenal pace and they know where he's going to go but they can't stop him they cannot stop him I'm a bit worried about his ankles seems to be every week um but my goodness what a what a prospect and what we have to do what we absolutely have to do is make sure we have a team and a squad that means he a is an overburdened uh, and overrun and b is befitting of having a youngster like that in our ranks I think the thing as well is that within football nowadays, everyone gets so bogged down with statistics, with goals and assists and things like that. Mm. Um, and obviously this year has not been uh, to date as prolific as he maybe was last year because he obviously he, he finished with, was it 11 assists last year um, and a few goals in there as well. But for me, he has been far and away more mature this season and a, a better all-round player than he was last year. Mm. But obviously he doesn't have the he won't have the statistics to show for that. But I just I can't get enough of him. I think he's just such a fantastic talent and he's playing with such maturity for a 19-year-old in this situation. Hmm. And as much as we like you've just alluded to you we need to be careful with his with his fitness and the amount of football we're giving a 19-year-old but we're in a situation at the moment where you can't not play him. You can't not have Bakayo Saka in your team because he's the only one playing in an attacking sense, certainly anywhere near at the top of his game. Um, so we really got to, we really do need to manage him carefully, particularly if we, with the, the, the festive period coming up, um, he's going to need a rest at some time, but if you could have him in every single game, you would. Yeah, you really would. You really would. Um, I just hope that, you know, his contract, this is weird to say out loud, but his contract ends in three and a half years. And I hope by then when he's 22 and one of the brightest talents, which is what he's on the trajectory to be, uh, to being, if you like, we have a team befitting of his quality. The only thing I'd say is I think it is a bit of a match made in heaven at the moment in that if we did have a team, uh, and I feel this for all our youngsters as well, to sort of segue into a couple of those conversations, like Maitland-Niles, for example, who I thought played very well um, and, and gave me a lot more reassurance down that, um, that flank than Bellerin has in, in a number of weeks. What I love about the, the only thing, love is way too far. I'm going to really change that. The only positive... <laughs> <laughs> that I can muster from all of this is that the youngsters have a chance. We've been in a position for a long time where you have to be a super talent to make it from our academy, you know, yeah. sheer and then none really, you know, I, I know yeah. it won't be is, is the light, but he wasn't a super talent and he sort of played in a position we needed help with at the time and got his way in. But these players could, could be part of our team for years and really establish themselves. And if they go through this, it could be incredible 
for sort of you know their character building and anything like that 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 the sort of is associated with a struggle like this yeah um going back to Maitland Niles uh what I'll say about that is if he if he's dropped for Bellerin on the weekend I think it's a disgrace mm. <laughs> because I, unless you're going to play Maitland Niles centrally yeah surely he has to stay in the team yeah you know what it is with Maitland Niles athletically he does not worry you no he doesn't not even a little bit and Bellerin really does <laughs> yeah but look at our whole squad look at the rest of the league Southampton look like just Shea Adams Ings Walker Armstrong just look like sprinters they look like yeah. sprinters and then you look at us and it's like gangly Pepe and that's where our you know Aubameyang has got pace but in a different way you know he yeah. hasn't got you wouldn't say he's got, you know, Batman's got raw pace. He's quick, but he hasn't got that sort of running with the ball pace. Um, that certainly Pepe does have, but he's so erratic. Uh, but Maitland-Niles, physically, and Party, we have this as well. And I think Gabrielle is the other one. Physically, they're not at their limit. Whereas everyone else looks like this is the hardest 90 minutes they've ever played. Genuinely, Maitland-Niles looks like it's the easiest 90 minutes he's yes. ever played all the he time. He's with a cigar <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I really and look, this is what I'm saying is that I don't want Bellerin, El Nenny, you know, whoever taking minutes from a player like Maitland Niles, who could be improving. Look, he might not still be good enough, but he might not be good enough for Arsenal who want to finish sixth. He's definitely good enough to be playing week in, week out in this team, who, you know, at best um I, I go back to when I offered you sick. Uh Anyway, um, and you didn't thank me. <laughs> <laughs> what you would give now? Um, what, what I would give for that choice again? Honestly, I think I'd take 12th at this point. Genuinely, I'd actually, I wouldn't take 17th yet. <laughs> yeah, we're not quite at that point not yet. Quite, but I would take after, 12th. After the Christmas period, then we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd take 18th, not last. <laughs> go down. I don't want to be the worst ones going down. Do you, do you think we're in a relegation battle? Uh, yeah, I do. Nice. I think I think if we we have to win one of our next two games yeah. to be to be sort of be clear of it because I think it would give us real confidence and I think it would sort of be putting. It, it, and I also think if we remain undefeated and I, I ignore the Man City Cup game, bit of a free hit. I think if we avoid defeat in both those games, even if it's two points, yeah, I think no. But I can't see it uh, go. Yes, I think we're in a an abs- absolutely in a relegation fight. I, I don't think we're in. Um, we're, we're down there. You know, you can't ignore it. You know, Fulham get a battling point. Allardyce has never gone down. Um, look. Should have got him in. <laughs> well, well, yes, I was calling for that, but um, it was very tongue-in-cheek, and I really hope uh, I don't regret making such ridiculous statements. Um, it, but you look at Brighton, uh, Burnley. I mean, look, you can't lose the teams around you when you do this. No, I can't believe I'm saying that, but you... well, you, yeah, but you look at it and think if we do lose our next two league games, um, and where we go into the game, is it is it Brighton we play first, and then West Brom? Yeah. Yeah, and you look at those and they're, they're relegation six points. They are. No, but they are. It's, it's absolutely incredible. nuts. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's crazy. But they are. 
They really, yeah, yeah. really are. Oh, just I'm having nightmares about. Do you it. think it's we just... are? Do you think we are? Do you think I'm? I'm because I'm. I'm actually. I was really positive after yesterday, but I still think we're in, despite feeling positive. I'm. I'm with you. I think if we win one of the next two, I think. I think we're 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 not out of it, but I don't think we're really in contention to go down. Whereas if we lose those two games and results go in favour of those teams below us, then we're in a real battle, a real battle. And you'd like to think over the course of a 38-game season that we, we'd find a little bit of form somewhere along the, on, along the way. But the real concern for me is that teams that are down there uh, who put up with this getting beaten every week and they know that that's an inevitable part of, of them being in the Premier League and it's about them picking up points wherever they can. Our players have never been in that situation. Mm. They, they've never been in that moment where you are on a run of games and you just have to put it behind you. They've never been in that situation to this extent. So w- even if we were to, let's say, if we were to beat Everton on the weekend, but then let's say we lose our next three games, which I don't think would happen if we beat Everton, but you never know, then I, I question this team's ability to recover from those continual hits. Mm. Um so that that's my concern with it. Um, I do think ultimately we will be not not too good to go down, but I just I don't see it really happening long term. But certainly at the moment we are in a relegation battle because we are just dropping like dropping every single week, and we look like we're just getting kind of drifts until we get towards the, even closer towards the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look that that game at Old Trafford. That f- you can't even call it a false dawn because. It's so much worse than that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not just a false dawn. It was. It was. You almost sort of would have traded in losing that to not have gone through what we've gone through. I know that's not how football works, but I always compartmentalise things in my head like that. I was actually every, every, some fixtures. Are, sorry, what were you going to say? I was, I was just going to say that every every time we talk about um, a previous podcast, I just I just cringe because. <laughs> Um, when we were speaking after the Man United game, we were just like, right, he's got that monkey off our back about not winning at a top six team. Tick, another one gone. And it's just, we look like idiots. We don't know anything about football, Andre. Honestly, <laughs> there's not just a monkey on our back at this point, right? We've got a, a forest, a jungle of animals on our back at this point, let alone worrying about a little monkey. <laughs> I, I, honestly, honestly. Let well, alone 14 other Premier League teams on our back. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, honestly, um, I, one of the things, uh, the smallest thing that concerned me, and it sort of rings true to your point, is that we did not look energised to a, what I'd call a suitable level by actually scoring from open play yesterday. We didn't have verve and vigour back, which makes you realise it really is going to be a toil. It really is. But we've just got to start grinding out results. Um, whether they're draws, you know, absolutely back five against Chelsea, back five against Everton, probably a back five match Brighton up. Yeah. You know, you'd probably, against Everton, go Pablo Marie, David Luiz, Rob Holding as a back three, Tierney outside of them. And that is a yeah. proper, like, defend-first mentality. And I think that's what we've got to have. Yeah. Um, obviously, we, we've touched on Arteta quite a lot, but I did want to ask you a question that has been put forward by uh, my brother, Chris Dow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he asks, if form continues in this way, at what point would you let Arteta go in order to retain his player legacy? The longer these results continue, the more fans' relationship will sour on what was an exceptional playing talent. I think exceptional is probably a little bit over the top, Chris, but (laughs) carry on. And then he said, Freddie's results as caretaker were shit, but no one cared because of the situation he was parachuted into. Is there still an argument that Arteta could be replaced? His tenure passed off as an attempt at reinvigoration that didn't come off and his status largely upheld. Blimey, he didn't send that in a tweet. That was a lot of characters. Um, That was a big old text he sent me. (laughs) Firstly, I don't think even if he, uh, unless he took us down, and even then, if he took us down but stayed with us, I don't think his legacy as a a player, I don't think legacies uh, get tarnished, player or manager. You know, he's joined us not as a club legend, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 I get what, you know, if Thierry Henry came and was doing this, you'd sort of go, go, Thierry, go. Badge, <laughs> yeah, don't ruin it. Don't just, ruin it. Just go, just go for your sake, for our sake. Like, you know, Vieira's on the market at the minute. You know, no, like there are, there are more, uh, there are players who have uh, more legendary status uh, than Arteta. I still think he'll go down as what he did in the FA Cup for this season, whilst in the sort of annals of history. Uh, and already it's kind of forgotten that he did that. But that was incredible. That was incredible for him to have had COVID to bring back, um, to get us, uh, you know, winning this team, winning the FA Cup against City and Chelsea. That was incredible. So I don't think he'll always have that, right? And if he hadn't had that, I don't think he'd be at the club still, actually. I think he'd have probably been sacked. Yeah. I think, runner form-wise, I think he gets January, no matter what, rightfully so. I think he gets a player or two. I think we will spend money we don't have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I don't think we'll move players along. And I think they'll make... Uh, I say I think they'll make a calculated decision, but nothing Arsenal has done in the last few years has been calculated even remotely. I mean, have they heard of Excel? Uh, anyway, you. Uh, but you could... <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't take a lot to build in some contingencies and formulas. Jesus Christ. I mean, anyway, sorry. So what I'm saying is if I look at the run of fixtures in January, okay, Newcastle twice, once in the FA Cup, Palace at home, Southampton away, Man U at home, right? Then it's the January transfer window slam shut because no window, no window that has ever been revolved around transfers gently closes. It slams shut. It okay, does. As we know. Then we've got Wolves away, ironic, and then Villa away. So two absolute horror shows. I know I'm just reading a fixture list here, but after those two games, if we have done, if we haven't really signed anyone in January and we lose those two games, sort of, you know, and we've had a pretty poor or comparable run of form to the one we're on, he cannot make it past then. Because I always yeah. think if you aren't hiring an emergency manager in February... It's too. It, it's nearly always too late. Yeah. It depends whether you'd give him a go at the Europa League, though, which is a couple of weeks later. So, what do you think would be from this point a successful season? From this point, obviously, it's not going to be successful, really. But from from now, what do you think is realistic, and what do you think would be considered successful? Well, we're still in three cups. Um. So winning any of those, and even if we finish 12th, would get us into Europe again. And that would be, from where we are now, that would be 
oh my god, you, you know, the Carabao were three games away from the final. I, I appreciate we've got City next, but they're hardly looking um, sparkling. We've just got to do what West Brom did and we'll be fine and take them to penalties. Take them to penalties. Honestly, like, yeah. you know, I, I don't think I don't think it's impossible for us to win the Carabao and get into Europe. At this point, I just think you've got to write off the league, but not yeah. completely. You know, I just think every weekend's going to be pretty tough now until the end of the season. Uh, but yeah. I still think we can have a successful season and I still think we can have a great Europa run. It's just that, you know, in the last few seasons, we've been panicking that we're going to be out of Europe again the following year. Let's just say we can't get into Europe. Let's say we don't win a competition. There is nothing that will make this season successful other than getting rid of everyone at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And staying up. Like, honestly, at this point, staying up is a success. And it, But you can't call that a success at Arsenal Football Club. But that yeah. is what now you'd have to probably, from here, consider it a success. Yeah, I, I, I think you are absolutely right with that. Can I, can I ask um, you before that, sorry, what do you think about Arteta and the run? Sorry, just to jump a couple of questions back. Um, I, I am kind of in, in agreement with what you said um, about till after till probably about the start of February and you look at those two fixtures. I, I hadn't looked that far ahead at the fixture list, but looking at those two games that's when you kind of you're right you're right you've if you're going to make a change you've got to make it then otherwise you've just got to stick it out because it's just it, it would just be in my opinion a waste of time just getting someone in who then has to get used to everything um yeah so i i think i'm kind of in agreement with you on that okay and uh and uh i suppose sort of successful season <laughs> Uh, first and foremost, staying up, like, like you said, that, that has to be first and foremost. <laughs> Tom, Tom, yeah. can you believe you're saying this? No, I can't. Um, now, at the start of the season, I I was op- optimistic as both uh, both of us were, but I was still I, I was still edgy enough that I thought, okay, it's still going to be a rocky season. There's still going to be a lot of ups and downs, and we were we were both very honest about the fact that it was going to be that sort of, that sort of season. I never in a million years thought it'd get this bad. As, as as pessimistic as I am at most times, I never thought it would get this bad. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, staying up has to be the first priority. And then a successful... So I, I would still say it's successful if we were to win a trophy, um, regardless of the league, because winning those trophies would get us back into Europe. Gen- genuinely, um, sorry, because I have been thinking this. What about winning a trophy and going down... <laughs> <laughs> if it, imagine we win the Europa and we go down. Uh, but <laughs> Champions League, Champions Champions League Champions. <laughs> I love it. I'd love that. I'd actually love that. <laughs> oh, Playing God. Sheffield Wednesday one night and then Real Madrid the next. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that season where we lost three 0 to Sheffield Wednesday and then the following week beat Bayern Munich. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, Happy that was that was fun, wasn't it? Simple times. Would you still say that is up there with one of your worst footballing decisions to go to Hillsborough with me? <laughs> um, look, the chant, uh, two chants came out of that that we adore. And look, Glenn Kamara, by the way, 
who made his Arsenal debut that day, is pulling up trees at Rangers, being, really being rumoured to come back to the Premier League. And the other one, which was uh, Ishmael Benassa, da -da -da -da, is, is uh, at AC Milan, who, who are top of Serie A. And he's a linchpin in their midfield. <laughs> I mean, you literally couldn't make up. So when you say it was the worst decision, yes. But what was worse is that two players who would probably improve us now <laughs> played that day and we, we laughed at. <sighs> Just this whole thing. Oh. I, I, I think that is a wonderful note to end this podcast on. <laughs> no, please. Just talk a bit longer. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Longing for Ishmael Benassa and Glenn Kamara. Yeah, uh, let's let's just we'll repeat that one more time that we're we're ending this podcast having just spoken about the possibility of being relegated, yep. but also then regretting letting go Ishmael Bonassa and Glenn Kamara. So that gives you a, <laughs> a statement about this podcast today. <laughs> Yes. Well, yes. Thank, very good. Thank you very much for your time, as always, Andre. Yeah. Thank you. It's been uh, it's been good fun. It has been good fun, and as uh, and as I say every week, um, if you'd like to see us on social media, we do have a Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook account that you can find us by searching for the Boys in Red and White podcast, and we also have a website which is www.theboysinredandwhite.com. Thank you very much for your time, as always, Andre, and thank you everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. Goodbye. 